A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Positive communication is communication that's based on respect and builds trust and collaboration. Although it's something that's mostly been applied to the workplace, its goal is to build a psychologically safe space, and that's something we can obviously use in all of our relationships. In fact, the research shows that positive communication doesn't just benefit the other person, it also promotes health and wellness benefits for you, the giver. Today, I'm sharing the five keys to positive communication so you can not only inspire and influence the people around you, but continue to build on your own growth and healing. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Hey again, you're back. Thank you for joining me today. I am your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm very uh, excited to be sharing with you today about positive communication. It is something that, um, you know, you learn with any kind of business background or if you're into um, positive psychology. And, and I have to say, you know, we want to be careful of toxic positivity. And I actually did a episode on that a while ago. Wait, I have to write myself a note. I'll make sure that uh, if you search positive, toxic positivity on my website, you'll find it. But I'll also link it in the show notes, um, what episode that is, because uh, I just thought of it now. So we don't want to go there. But uh, positive communication is something that's super duper helpful uh, and can, you know, really just to have it in your head as a framework which is really what I want to give you today. And again, you know, I've been using it for years in business, but of course, as you know, if you've been with me for any amount of time, uh, most of, <laughs> not most, a lot of what I bring you are things that 
we know from the research work in business environments, which obviously are made up of people and those relationships and making those relationships better. And, uh, you know, it, they really apply easily to friendships and, uh, you know, romantic partners and our parents and our siblings and all those other people. So, so let's get to it. Uh, by the way, the book Boundaries Made Easy. Um, by the time you are listening to this, it should be about mid-October. And so it'll be like a month away from the launch date. Woo! Uh, really excited. I don't have a definite date yet. I apologize. But it's um, it, it should be by mid-November. That's, 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 I'm hoping earlier. But I'll let you know as soon as it's out. I'm really excited. So what is positive communication. What, you know, what, what am I talking about? Cause it can sound like, you know, you just make you well, well be positive when you communicate. And that's actually not what I'm talking about. So researchers, Margaret Pitts and Thomas, I'm going to say Soka. I don't, it might be Socha or Sacha. It's S-O-C-H-A is how you um, spell his name. So I apologize, Thomas, if you're out there listening, going, that is my husband. You just butchered my name, Abby. Um, <laughs> They, uh, they wrote a really wonderful tristis on positive communication, but uh, they say that positive communication isn't defined as the absence of, you know, negative, either verbal or nonverbal communication, but rather the presence of positive enhancing and facilitative talk and gestures. So their research shows that it has really a very unique ability to create physical, social, and psychological health and wellness, again, in both you and the other person. So it's it's kind of hard not to get behind, right? I'm going to have to take a sip of my water. I mean, I feel like, come on now, who doesn't want this? Now, there are four basic building blocks to positive communication. And so one, you know, again, from the research, I'll link to all the research in the show notes and on the, you know, corresponding blog post, as I always do, in case you want to go down your own rabbit holes or read the books yourself or anything else, because um, we all know I love reading my books. So there's four, <laughs> you know, four main pieces here, having clear intentions, asking questions more than you make statements showing that you value the relationship and really creating a culture, number four, is creating a culture or an environment where everyone feels safe to speak. That Those are the four sort of tenets of it, and right? That, 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 that's sort of it. So obviously you're asking, but, but how do you get there, Abby? Okay, so, so that's how I get to the five keys. There are ways to get you to those four kind of pillars of this. And uh, a man named Julian Miravel, I might be, again, pronouncing names wrong, so I apologize. Uh, I read his book. It's really good. He's a, it's M-I-R-I-V-E-L, Julian Miravel. He's a PhD. He's a, he's a professor of applied communication at the University of Arkansas, Little Rock. But he's the author of The Art of Positive Communication, Theory and Practice. And um, <laughs> you might be listening to that title, like, Abby... I do not want to read that. Um, I look at those titles and I'm like, ooh, this looks so good, you know, and I can't wait to read. So it's it's very well done, though. Um, I'm sure it's the textbook he uses in his, with his students, but uh, I should be, I, I'm pretty sure, I, you know, that would be my guess. Um, 
but in it, he shares very, which I loved, very concrete behaviors you can start using right now to really move into positive communication in and in all your relationships, as far as I'm concerned. Again, most of the research is is uh, dedicated or looking at work relationships, but we have research in other things too. And so I took what he had in the book, and of course, I judged it. And <laughs> you know, judge is a Yiddish word. I know people have been using it in sort of a in the vernacular. I'm like, oh, it's Yiddish. I grew up hearing that word. Uh, you know, when you judge something, you like uh, bring a little uh, uh, we say it like in Hebrew, like a little something special. <laughs> you bring a little something special to it. You add something. Um, and you know, I love to judge. So I love to add a little Abby Spice to everything. So I use, I think he has like six pillars or something. And I kind of took some of his, I added my own, I judged his and, and here you go. Okay. And there, the, these are my five keys to positive communication um, based on his work and others. Okay. Key number, I just want to give credit where it's due because I, I love, I so appreciate, you know, I don't do research anymore, you know, like, well, I do a little with my clients, but I, you know, I don't do formal research with the university or something. And I really appreciate the people that do. And I really always want to bring you things that we know are based in some real research. And sometimes that, you know, is my quote unquote opinion, which is based on my 40 years, which I don't think should be discounted <laughs> of working with people in so hundreds. I don't even know how many jobs I've ever had or settings that I've worked in or you know, if you include all the talks I've given and oh my gosh, um, so many different places. So I really have a good, um, and I still see clients. So I have a good grasp on what works and what doesn't, uh, with, with my own people. And then, as you know, I apply these uh, principles to myself and see it. And so I can like speak from personal, you know, experience and I, but, but really that's based on the research, um, and what has worked for clients and what it's shown, what the studies show is effective. You know, I've said this before, I'll say it again, please don't listen to anyone who just has an opinion that's based on nothing because it's really hard to, there's so many differences in people. There's, you know, there's so many different backgrounds we come from and things we bring to the table. So when someone just says, oh, this is what you do for a good marriage because my marriage is great and I've been in it for 50 years, I, I get nervous because people do tend to go, oh, they must know. And I don't, I think they know what works for them. And I'm not saying you should not listen to anything, but a lot of times in my experience, those things fail to, because ex- we're all so different so whatever it is, isn't going to be a cookie cutter for you. Um, and I always, you know, I'm always clear about that, even coming from the research and experience with thousands of people and all that, that it's not going to be a cookie cutter for you. So just keep, I, just keep that in mind, please. I want you to have self-compassion and love. And it's hard sometimes if you feel like you're not, you know, well, this works. Why isn't it working for me? Well, yeah, maybe you're doing some things that aren't great or self-sabotaging in some way, but maybe you know, you're trying to apply something that worked for, a, you know, a white, wealthy male who had lots of privileges, uh, who, you know, is married to his wife and maybe at a time when nobody got divorced anyway, maybe they're miserable. You don't know. And so, but if you're a, 
a single Latina, you know, with two kids listening to this, you know, working two jobs to support your family, you're going to have a different experience in your relationship than that man. And so you can't compare uh, in that direct way. You can certainly glean some things that are great. Same with what I share, you know, everything is just not going to generally apply. So just keep it in mind. I don't want you beating yourself up. All right. Key number one is to focus on how you greet other people. I know it's a biggie. You know, communication isn't, it's not just like a transmission of information. It's not, it's not, I think something and then I let the other person or people know that thing. And then I go, oh, I'm done. I've communicated, right? Even right now, I'm telling you things. And if I just, if this podcast was me getting on and going, here's the five ways to positive communication and not giving you anything else, no context, no background, no love, you know, my love, my, what I just did. I kind of, you know, I went really talking about how I don't want you to beat yourself up. That is part of how I communicate. So, and if you're listening and you, and you like me, I hope you do. I like you. Uh, that, that, that's, it's, it's reaching something in you that really is communicated. There's other podcasts you've listened to or other people you've heard and you, you're not feeling it. You, you don't get it, right? Even though they might say you could, you could read Marivelle's book and you might not get what I, the things I'm going to say to you. You're like, really? Was that from that book? I can't even believe it because it's, it's put out there differently. Um, and Miravelle, he rightly says, I think that positive communication is more than saying something. And, and he says, and I love this, and I've, now I'm really using this. He says, instead, think of it as creating an experience that builds a relationship every time you communicate. And I'll tell you that in counseling school, in any kind of counseling school that any of us go to, um, one of the tenets and things we learn is that every interaction is a chance for a positive intervention, for a positive, for a therapeutic, for a therapeutic connection. Every single interaction. I know. Every single. And when you use that frame when you're talking to a client, you know, I've worked inpatient rehabs where a client will come out of group and say, hey, can I use the phone? And the easy thing to say is no, that's against the rules. Go back to group. That is the very easy thing to say. And I might say that in a moment just to get them back to group. But later I would always come to them and go, hey, what was going on that you left group earlier? Talk to me about it. You know, how are you feeling? What was happening? You know, and we'll talk about it differently. So anyway, this idea of a greeting to how you greet someone is kind of that first hit. So I love this. Think of the greeting as something that builds the relationship. Now, when you think of greeting someone else, it's obviously kind of simple, right? But it's really significant. And that's what I, I want you to take away from this. Communication starts in that moment that you initiate some form of contact, uh, whether that's in person, it could be a text, an email, a DM. So, and there's a lot of research around this idea of what happens when we greet someone. So for example, research has shown that literally one of the most disrespectful and harmful things a doctor can do when they meet a patient is not greet them. It's to, it's just to sort of come in and go, uh, you know, 
and they might even say, I'm Dr. Jones, um, tell me where it hurts, you know, and not say hi, you know, oh, Abby, nice to meet you. I'm Dr. Green, you know, um, I'm, I'm, it's not, you know, it sounds from the chart like you're in pain, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Tell me more, you know, very different. Uh, studies have shown that when teachers greet their students at the door, it positively affects their learning. I like that. Yeah. And all my teachers, you know, I love you. My mom is a teacher. My kid's dad is a teacher, uh, was a teacher. He's retired. I, I love me some teachers and uh, I, I'm, I'm a big supporter. And um, yeah, right? Yeah. By the way, if you're a teacher, oh my gosh, I'm going to give you a quick, I just read this book. It's called, I hope you can see it. It's, well, <laughs> if you're listening, you can't. It's called Burn Bright, Not Out. 35 Lessons That Cultivate Teacher Well-Being. Um, it's by this woman, Sybil Hall, H-A-L-L -L Hall. And it was so good. Um, I thought it was really, really good. I read, I read a lot. Anyway, burn bright, not out. 35 Lessons That Cultivate Teacher Well-Being. Sybil Hall, check it out. It was really, really good. Okay, sorry. That was a little aside for teachers. I'm not getting any money from that book. <laughs> this is not. I just, I just finished it, so I, it was in my head. But uh, yeah. So teachers who greet at the door, I mean, amazing, right? In addition, there's a, a another book so good called Positive Leadership by uh, Kim Cameron. And he, he found that leaders and managers who check on employees, so they ask how they're doing, you know, they greet them each time they have, uh, they interact and that those employees are more state that they're more satisfied in their jobs and they're, they are higher retention. They stay at jobs longer. So greeting, it's, oh, and there was a, oh my God, there was another, because, you know, I'm always looking at, because I have a lot of listeners from around the world. Um, and so I try to look at research in other countries also. So please all know that most of the time, I don't always say it, but I am, I am gathering research from other countries too, and stating things that seem to be a cr cross culture. Obviously, it's not going to be across, you know, I have some listeners in Japan right now you know, very different culture than New Zealand, right? So, so not everything's going to match in the same way, but I do my best. And there was another study I saw that was conducted as part of the New Zealand Language at Work Project. And uh, I do, oh, and I want to mention, I just got a beautiful review um, for the podcast from uh, a New Zealander. Thank you. Love you. It was so nice. Anyway, everyone should be writing reviews. Come on now. Help me out. Help a girl out. Um, but in this study, they compared emails at two companies. Okay. So like, we'll call it bad company A. They were having a hard time. Low morale, uh, lots of conflict, high turnover. And then they were compared. They were comparing those emails that, and they looked over like five, a thousand emails or something crazy, like a lot of emails. And they compared them to a fabulous company B who had a very positive work culture. They had high retention, reported high job satisfaction, all that. And the researchers found that at bad company A, emails would go something like, um, you know, an email would go out that said, there's a meeting today at one. That's it, right? There's a meeting today at one. So everybody could know. But at great company B, at this fabulous people where people stayed and loved it, the email, that same email would be something like, uh, hey, everyone, hope you're all doing well. Looking forward to see you on, seeing you all on Friday at our one o'clock meeting. 
have a great week, you know, Jane, whatever. Uh, can you see it? So, so the content's the same, but the message, the communication, the connection is very different. There's obviously more connection in, you know, fabulous company B's email, and that's what fosters openness and communication. So I want you to think about how you can put all this into practice in your own life. So one of the things I mention a lot in my micro connections, um, I did a, a, a episode on micro connections and, and I mention it not just in there, but everywhere. When your partner gets home from work, and enthusiastically greet them at the door. I, I share a lot that Gary and I, this is probably our number one thing we consistently do. We, we really don't, unless somebody's like in the shower or something when you get home, we are at the door pretending to be a golden retriever because you know how happy they are when you get home. Uh, and, you know, we are at the door really, you know, stopping whatever we were doing for our partner, you know, the other person got home and we are greeting them with love and a kiss and a hug. And I'm so happy to see you and really bringing this sort of energy. We, it's enthusiastic <laughs> and, it, you know, it's a beautiful connection to have. It's a beautiful, you know, greeting and it really sets up, you know, kind of the rest of the night. It just does. Uh, and we do that no matter what, like if it's a Saturday and someone comes home, you know, we get up, we go say hi, we go out to the car, we whatever. Um, another thing, you know, uh, reach out to, to a friend you haven't seen in a while, reach out and make plans for dinner or a trip together or a lunch or what, have a coffee. If you drink coffee, you know, I, I, I try to do something twice a month physically with people. Um, I talk to my friends more often, but I try to do something twice a month. You know, there's, you just people I don't see very much and it's really nice to connect with them. And so I try to do something. Sometimes it's a Zoom. I have um, a, a, a lovely friend who just moved away. You know, she's not close. So we try to Zoom or at least get on the phone, but we sort of make an appointment to do it because otherwise it doesn't happen. So, um, you know, do that at work. Greet each person you see, have direct eye contact, maybe a question. Hey, uh, Jack, how's your mom? You know, I, I, you were out last week uh, visiting your mom. Is she okay? You want to get lunch today, uh, Juanita? You know, um, you know, or just it's hey, it's good to see you, Spencer. You know, what whatever that is, um, just try to have a little more of a greeting, and especially on Zoom calls, I've noticed, I because sometimes there's like fifteen people on the call, so at the very least, I go into the chat. And I'm like, hey, it's really good to see everyone. And then I try to, you know, I might direct message someone in the Zoom chat, like, um, you know, hey, hey, Lola, I, I did this the other day. You know, I love your blouse. Like, oh my God, your blouse is on fire. You know, something like that. Uh, I need to know where you got it. You know, I, I just, I, I, and it's true. I don't make things up. I, I, but I do look for the connection. Okay. Uh, when you pick up your kids after school, don't drive off immediately. Make eye contact. You can even hug them if none of their friends are watching. <laughs> um, I have to say my kids have always been fine with physical affection in front of their friends. They have not cared. Uh, I don't know how I did that. It's kind of amazing. They still don't. My, my son, Max, you know, my 20-year-old kind of alpha male son is always kissing the top of my head and telling me he loves me in public as I drive away. You know, he's that kid. 
um, you know, it, they don't have trouble. But I know a lot of parents, you know, kids are like, drop me off two blocks from school. Or, and I'm not saying they never went through that a little bit, like wanting to be dropped off. I'd say that was more like middle school, maybe early high school, um, maybe like freshman year, eighth grade, freshman year, something in there where they, you know, want to kind of walk to school the most of the way or something. Um, but, you know, when they get in the car, tell them, hey, I really missed you today. I love you, whatever. Maybe even suggest something fun to do instead of going straight home. I know you got a million things to do, but maybe there's, I don't know, time for a snack. I don't know. Maybe have a special snack. I have a, a client who does this. She has a little special snack in the car and, and her daughter doesn't always know what it's going to be. So right there in the car, she brings it sometimes in a cooler, sometimes it's something that needs like a fork, you know, and, uh, but she really likes to do it. They have, um, they have like a little snack in the car on the way home and chat. It's just, you know, there's a real connection there. All right. Tip number two, don't Sack, here we go again, ask questions instead. I've been telling you not to sack SAC your relationships for a couple of decades now. Don't SAC, don't sack means don't S, offer suggestions, A, give advice, or C, criticize. And of course, a lot of you are like, well, what's left, Abby? Well, what do you do instead? You ask collaborative questions right after you have a sip of your water because my voice is sounding froggy, isn't it? 
what do you want for dinner? I don't care. You know, you, you get the, those are closed-ended questions. They don't really foster, you know, oh, what do you want for dinner could. I, I should I should leave that open. Um, but a lot of those other questions, even, um, hey, how you feeling? Fine. You know, like people, it, 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 there are things that are like, I call them uh, 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 emotional wallpaper. You know, they're, they're not things that people are really thinking of answering. So basically, open-ended questions, again, are things you can't answer with yes, no, good, fine, you know, I don't know, that shoulder shrug thing. So open-ended questions are collaborative questions. You know, my, you know, my favorite one, I've mentioned it a lot on the podcast, is can you tell me more about X, whatever it is? So when I'm confused, when someone's telling me something and I'm like, what is this about? I stop, I remember to be curious, and I want to understand. So can you tell me more about, you know, what you mean by that? Uh, can you tell me more about these feelings you have for your mother? Can you tell me more about that interaction with your boss? Uh, my other favorite, instead of asking a direct, you know, how do you feel, which definitely doesn't get far, I love to ask on a scale of one to six to people. Because one to six, there's no middle. People try, they'll be like three and a half. I'm like, no, pick a number. <laughs> so they either have to say four and you can kind of see where they are in the scale or they say three, you know, and you see where they are or obviously one or five or whatever. But so I'll ask something like on a scale of one to six, how's your anxiety right now? That is a fabulous collaborative question because someone is giving you real information and getting specific and we're deepening connection right away. Now, you're right, they're going to just, I know what some of you are thinking, they're like, well, they're just going to answer a number. And it's like, yeah, but then you can ask more questions. It gives you that opening and you're now you're really knowing they're getting more honest about how they feel. So if they tell you uh, on a scale of one to six, how's your anxiety? You know, and they say three, it's like, oh, you know, tell me more. Tell me, you know, what what's happened this week? Like what for you brings it to a three and not kicking it over to a four? T tell me more. Are you having anxiety often? Um, can you tell me how often you're having it? You know, there's a ton of questions I can ask right there to get deeper. And I'm not just talking in a therapy situation. I'm talking, I do this with my kids. I do this with friends. You know, the, these, the, it's a golden question and you can substitute anything for anxiety. You can say on a scale of one to six, how are you feeling right now? But uh, it, that's fine too. It just know that that's so much broader. People sometimes, uh, will over or underestimate. You're not getting, a but again, you could ask more questions. You know, uh, you can also always ask people, what would it take to make it a six? Like what kinds of things would need to be happening for you to feel like um, a six? Like you have no anxiety, if the six is no anxiety or, or if the six is, you know, feeling great or something, um, you can ask that question too. Uh, you know, what's one thing you could do right now to move this forward? What's one thing we could do right now to move this forward? Um, what's one thing I could say right now that would let you know you're supported? All of these are great collaborative questions. And because I love you, you know I do, I have a list of collaborative questions that you can download. 
Um, it will put you on my weekly love letter and which comes out every Wednesday, which is not selling you anything. It is literally a love letter meant to inspire and motivate you for the week. I don't, if you like the podcast, you will friggin' love the, the love letter, the weekly love letter. I, that's why I don't call it a newsletter. It's not, I'm not giving any news really. Um, I think I mention every week, like what podcast is coming out, but uh, and if you're on my list and I do have a new product, like the book that's coming, I will offer a coupon for it through, you know, through there, through the love letter list. Um, but you know, other than that, it's, it's not like you're getting sold all the time. You're not going to get 27 emails about something. I just, <laughs> it's really, it's not sleazy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, I, I just have this thing that I'm, I believe will help you feel better all week. So you would get on that list if you download the collaborative questions. And if you don't like it, unsubscribe. It's very easy to unsubscribe. You don't have to stay on the list if it's not what you want. Uh, it's not a problem. So you can come on over to the website, abbymetcalf.com. And uh, on this is episode 259. And you can look on the podcast page or the relationship tips and tools page, which is my blog. Um, and you could find this episode on either place and you can download the collaborative questions. And I would print those puppies out and have them hanging on your fridge. That's what I would do. I, I've had, I've, I've had them hanging in my fridge at different times. I just really know them now. And so do my kids. So we don't really need them hanging up anymore, but sometimes I do reprint it and hang it just to remind people to ask questions. But anyway, all right. Tip number three, look for one good thing and say it. When we, when we look up to someone uh, and they say something about us that resonates, it has to resonate. We take it in and that's when things are actually integrated. That's when like a, um, a, a compliment or something or, or, or some thing that someone noticed about us, that's when we really bring that in and notice. And so, and this can come from anyone, uh, you know, our partner, parents, friends, uh, teachers, Coaches, coworkers, bosses, it does, it really can come from anywhere. So what I want you to do is each day, think about it. If what, you know, what if each day you were looking for something to appreciate or compliment about someone around you, you can pick a different, I would pick a different person every day. I would maybe Monday through Friday, I would pick a different person and Every, you know, but imagine, you can imagine what starts to happen as you focus on what that person is doing right or what you really like or appreciate about them and then share it with them. Not only will you feel good about it, it does, it feels good, but they will too. And it creates goodwill, which is one of the three pillars of creating trust. Um, I did a whole episode on trust and how to build more honesty and all that, which I'll link to, but you know. I know it's good stuff. Tip number four is to get vulnerable even a little and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm gonna have another sip of water. and We're going to talk about this. <clears throat> I, and I use the word vulnerable and everybody's like, ah, okay. <clears throat> I thought for most of my life, and I've said this before, that being vulnerable meant being exposed, which would open me, you know, to rejection, to hurt, humiliation. So I avoided it at all costs. And my guess is that you're doing or have done the same. <laughs> uh, Eleanor Roosevelt here in the United States, she was a first lady many years ago, 
taught us that no one can make, she said famously, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. But I think too often we forget this lesson and put our self-esteem, of course, in other people's hands. It happens all the time. The secret no one tells you about being vulnerable, though, is that it is not about being exposed. It's about being accessible. And this was such a hard mindset shift for me. But once I made it, it feels very, very different. It literally means that when you're open and show your true self, other people can access and connect with you. They can really get to know you. Uh, and you can finally have you know, genuine, deeper, more positive communication and relationships. Uh, and Miravel talks about this in his book, and he says, uh, an important truth about communication is that the connection and closeness we feel with others isn't a state that we can hold on to. It's something we do. And the way you do it is by being vulnerable and sharing information about yourself. Now, and I want to be clear about what I even mean by this, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you not be scared of this. So this can be something, per, I think people think vulnerable, and I have to share that my mother was an alcoholic, or my dad beat me, or I was raped when I was nine, or like, all that. no, I mean, you can, but you, that is not, that does not have to be part of it. So it can be something personal in some way that relates to what another person is maybe going through. But I think the best way to be vulnerable and the thing that has the most impact is to be honest in a moment with how you're feeling. End of. End of. To actually say your thoughts and feelings in a moment. What they really are. Not the top shit. You know, not like, oh, I'm just pissed. You know, I'm angry at you. Get underneath the anger and the frustration and the resentment and all that and get to what's real. Uh, so to say to somebody, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. Um, I'm anxious about this conversation I want to have with you. It's very disarming for people when we're so open and clear. Whatever, you know, remember, whatever you say needs to be authentic, appropriate, you know, what we what we call congruent in the moment, you know, to the situation and has to be reflective of what you truly think or feel. And I want you to notice for yourself what happens when you're thinking of being vulnerable <laughs> right now. Like right now, you're vulnerable. You're like, ah, do they, do your thoughts go to things like, oh, should I, you know, when you're in a moment, should I do it? Should I say this thing? Should I wait to say this? Uh, how are they going to respond if I do? Will they hate me? Will they be angry at me? You know, if you're having all those types of thoughts are really the kryptonite for vulnerability. I mean, it is, you got to shut off that critic. You got to shut off that crazy monkey mind that starts. And you really have to take a breath and just say the truth of what it is right now. And you will find connection. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Being mindful, obviously, will help you identify what you're feeling in a moment so you can share it. And I talk about mindfulness a lot because you got to remember that we connect with feelings, not thoughts. So we connect with feelings, not thoughts. I say this a lot. So share what's really happening on an emotional level, and that creates this positive communication, and that creates connection. 
if you haven't got my mindfulness starter kit yet, it's free, free mindfulness starter kit. I don't know what you're waiting on. Uh, it's on the shop page of my website. You, it doesn't cost you anything, but you do have to put in some information. It is, uh, there's always a link to it on all of these on the, the podcast page and the relationship tips and tools page. I mean, my gosh, get the friggin' mindfulness starter kit and start doing it. That was my Jewish mother bossy thing. Okay. Tip five is to get, or key number five, sorry, it's not a tip. Key number five is to get clear on your intentions. I've been talking about the importance of setting intention for so long. <laughs> what I, I call it the 18 second shift. I'll, we'll, we'll link again to all that information. You can look it up on YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, uh, setting intention, Abby Metcalf, it'll come up. Um, it's so critical. And what, what, what I haven't mentioned really much, or if at all, is that the research shows that when you try to communicate without a clear and conscious intention, you often end up communicating unhelpful things or even harmful messages. And it's not surprising, of course, when you know the other research from Timothy Wilson that I have long quoted about how our conscious brains process information at a rate of 40 bits per second, while our subconscious or unconscious brains are processing information at a rate of 11 million bits per second. So people are picking up on any incongruence in what you're saying versus what you're actually feeling or thinking. So when you tell someone you're fine and you're not, they know. People hear what you mean not what you say. And you've done it a million times. You thought someone was full of crap, but they were talking and saying all the right words. But the whole time you're like, they're full of shit. You, it's, it's all there. It's all there. I'll, I'll link to Wilson's book too. It's a great book. If you, uh, it's called Stranger, uh, Stranger to Ourselves. Strangers to Ourselves. Amazing. One of my, I would say my top book of all time. It's not an easy read. <laughs> it's like, the subtitle is something like unlocking the adaptive unconscious or something. Again, if if you're a nerd like me and love this stuff, you will love that book. It is incredible. Um, Malcolm Gladwell calls it, I think, one of his top five books of all time. Like, it, it's it's really good stuff. And um, you know, I also quote a lot of the research, so you can you can skip the read if you want. <laughs> I always say to my clients, I don't ask them to read books. That's my job. I read the books. Occasionally, I, I tell it when clients like to read, I, I give them books to read. But more more often than not, it, that's my job. I read the books and then I distill the information and you know put it out there. Uh, but to set a clear and conscious intention, I, I want you to ask yourself one or more of these questions before starting a conversation. This is how you do it. This is how you really, you know me, nitty gritty nitty-gritty action tools and tips. So one thing you can ask yourself before the conversation is, do I want to connect to this person? Sometimes you're so mad at someone, really a connection with them is kind of the last thing on your mind. So you got to get clear with that intention before. No, I'm just looking to piss them off. I'm just looking to whatever. Like, are you, do you, do you want to get your way? Is that something that's your intention going in? You just, you need to be aware because the other person knows they are feeling it and all of that is coming across. Uh, another thing I, you can ask yourself, and th these are really my favorites. I always ask myself, how do I want to feel after this interaction? When I walk away from this conversation with Gary, 
or a coworker, you know, or someone I'm doing consulting with, or my kid or whatever, how do I want to feel after that when I walk away? That is a that will set the tone of your conversation and your intention pretty quickly. Or I say, how do I want the other person to feel after this interaction? If you want them to feel like shit, you probably should keep doing whatever you were doing because it was probably doing that, right? When you're mad and you're feeling righteously right. I this is this really changed the game for me, this question. How do I want the other person to feel after this interaction? Now you can do everything right. You can say everything perfectly, abified, oh my gosh, from the research, and they can still get upset. Don't get me wrong, but that's not your intention. How you wanted them to feel, it's just such a good thing. I want them to feel heard. I want them to feel uh, connected to me. I want them to feel peaceful about this issue. I want that, whatever. And I just, then when I'm saying the thing, and then if they... Uh, jump at me if they are upset, I can feel okay because I know my intention. And that this is all about them then. This is all you. I am owning zero of this in this moment because other than the fact that I probably had a poor boundary with you before and that's why you're getting so upset. Um, so I'll own that part. But you know, as far as your feelings about this, I know my intention. I was very clear with what I said. I'm coming from love. I feel that for you right now. So whatever you're having is not what I'm doing. So, you know, I, I'm still going to, I'm not going to dismiss you. I'm going to still, you know, maybe be part of this conversation, but I'm not going to feel guilty about my boundary. And I'm certainly not going to um, collapse it, right? That's, I'm telling you, game changer. Uh, you'll learn a lot of this in my Boundaries Made Easy book coming out next month. Uh, I talk, a, I get very nitty gritty on boundaries, but anyway, um, I also ask myself, what would a successful interaction look like? I try to do that before, um, again, the interaction, like what, how, what would success look like to me? Because sometimes we go in and we're just like, this is going to be a shit show. It's going to be terrible. They're going to be upset. I'm going to be upset. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you're expecting anything good to come from that when you are so sure it's uh, it's going to be bad. It, it just it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Do you think any race car driver gets in you know it gets in his car or her car for a race and thinks I'm going to hit the wall? I'm definitely going to hit the wall. Oh my god, the wall! You, well, yeah, they would if they thought that, <laughs> and uh, they don't think that. That's not how they're going in there. Of course, you know, you, you, you've got to have your eye on the finish line. You have to have your eye on where you're going and do your best to get there. Like that's how it works. Woo. Okay. Those were my five keys to positive communication from the research. Thank you as always, always, always for being here with me. Uh, it is my favorite part of any week that I sit and record these videos. I just love it. I love spending this time with you. I love you so much. I so appreciate the comments. If you haven't subscribed to on YouTube yet, please do. I love interacting with people on YouTube because I can do it. I can't really, you can leave things on Spotify, but I can't respond. It's very weird. Or if I can and someone knows, please email me at abby at abbymetcalf.com because I have not figured out a way. Apparently, you just put things up there and they're just up there. Um, you know, and you leave reviews, which I love so much. Thank you. And uh, on maybe Apple or wherever. But I, again, I can't, I don't respond. And so it's really nice on YouTube in the comments, I can really respond. Um, I, I'm 
not on social media enough, but I try to be on YouTube, you know, every day or most days so I can be in the moment with you. And that is so cool. Love the comments. <sighs> That's it. If no one told you this week, you are love. You are, there is great, great love here for you. I am here for you. And um, have an amazing week and we'll talk real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.